Hey, everybody. Congratulations. It's Friday. You did it. Thank the Lord. And maybe some good news or terrifying. We have uh, to kick the show off. Uh, the folks over at OpenAI, you know, they make that GPT-3 and all these dolly interesting AI experiments slash platforms. Well, they have a new one out called ChatGPT. And you can talk to an AI chatbot. The results are stunning. Stunning. It's your new stunning. best friend slash overlord. Then... Uh, we are going to talk about layoffs in the media and the shutdown, the fairly abrupt shutdown of A16Z's short-lived media publication, Future. Dot com. Dot com. Such Great a good domain. Such a good domain. Eh, pretty lame content, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And then, to end the show, producer Rachel's back with another amazing OK Boomer. That's right. It is going to be a great Friday show. So stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Odoo is now offering all of their award-winning applications, services, and maintenance for under $25. To learn more, go to odoo.com slash twist. That's odoo.com slash twist. And Microacquire, the startup acquisition marketplace. Start the right acquisition conversations at your own pace. Get free and instant access to over 100,000 trusted buyers with total anonymity. Say goodbye to brokers and meet your ideal buyer today. Go to try.microacquire.com slash twist. All right, Molly. Happy Friday. We made it. Friday. Friday. What are we going to talk about? Crypto crimes, layoffs. Please, can there be some technology or startup good news? There is some, actually. I mean, it's the the likely end of humanity, but from a technology perspective, it's a super cool story. Hit me. Hit me with something that's not layoffs. Remember yesterday on the show when I was like, the machines are going to keep us around as pets because the generative AI is getting so good. And then Thursday, later that very afternoon, not just hours after I had uttered those words, the machines took another great leap forward. Ah, tell um, me everything. With the release of OpenAI's new chat GPT Mm. model. It's a spin-off of GPT-3 that specializes in dialoguing Yes. Back and forth. So now you can just, it can be your best friend. It can write your Mm. movie for you. It can, it suggested some cocktails for me for this holiday party that I'm working on. I was like, oh, yeah. It's a chat interface. It's a chat interface. GPT 3 engine. uh, Engine. The GPT 3 engine, people remember, helps you write copy essentially. Yeah. And so with oh, this, and this was going crazy on Twitter, everybody was losing their minds. Yes, this is, uh, uh, we've just popped up my request for how I oh. needed a purple and gold themed holiday decor scheme, including cocktail ideas. Okay. And the, I thought the decor ideas were a little simplistic, like it would have been nice mm. to see, for example, I, like shopping links. But, okay, you know, but here's I don't what it too said. far ahead. But here's a purple what it's and gold theme mm-hmm. holiday decor scheme can be a beautiful and luxurious way to celebrate the season. All right, that's like a lot of nothing. Sure, yeah, nothing. 
To create this theme, you can start by incorporating purple and gold accents into your holiday decorations. No kidding. Such as by using purple and gold ribbons to wrap your gifts. Or by adding purple and gold ornaments to your Christmas tree, you can also use purple and gold candles, table linens, and other decorative items to add to the theme. That's pretty great, I have to say. No, it's, yeah, it's really like, it's not specific, exactly. Like, it's not like, but it is, though. It's like, you would want the linens, you would want the candles, you would, like, it has all of those things. And then this is where it gets. But can I just pause for one second before you even go there? Mm -hmm. For me. As somebody who has no gifting holiday decorating experience, like this is not my wheelhouse. I didn't, I mean, of course, if you said holiday stuff, I did think about ornaments on the tree. I did not think table linens mm. or candles. Got Nor it. did so, I think about ribbons for the gifts. So, so this I'm actually was this, helpful to me. I'm having this snooty response because I'm a girl and I love to throw a theme party. But if you didn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good to know. Great. Amazing. So my short list, if I, if you told me golden things, I'd be like, okay, a wreath or maybe like uh, ornaments, but I didn't think of the table linen. So, okay. Okay. For a savage, it was and pretty candles. good. candles. Yep. That's pretty okay, good. Yeah. And then this pretty is good. where it gets pretty amazing, actually. Okay. To complete the look, consider serving purple and gold themed cocktails at your holiday <gasps> gatherings. Because <laughs> I was like, I need some cocktail ideas. For example, you could serve a gold rush cocktail which is made with bourbon, lemon juice, honey syrup, and a gold liqueur, such as Goldschlager or Midori. For a purple option, you could mix up a blueberry mojito by muddling fresh blueberries and mint leaves, then adding rum, lime juice, simple syrup, and club soda. You could also garnish these cocktails with purple and gold fruits, such as blueberries and golden pineapple. Oh, hot damn. Wait a second. Now, can I ask a question? A gold rush cocktail is a cocktail that exists in the world, correct? I guess so. Yeah, I've never heard of it, somebody, but it sounds delicious. I've never heard of it. So well, somebody do a search for gold cocktail. cocktail. That must exist. So it went and yeah, found. Yeah, it didn't make up the recipe. Yeah, it totally does exist. <gasps> okay, so I just want to be clear what's pretty, happening wow. here. This AI understands what a party is. Yep. It understands what those colors are and what the components of a party is. Yeah. And on its own, it decided it would have this gold rush. And so it's the end of party planners. This thing just planned my party for me and it gave me the drinks. Are you guys putting me on that it did this? Is this like you guys set me up? Is it a joke? Am I being punked? I did this as we hung up from our investment meeting. No, Twitter had been going crazy about it. And I was like, let me just, I signed up for OpenAI. No, I call BS. You guys are (laughs) punking me. Are you not punking me or are you punking me? No, that's what's so insane about this thing. This thing planned my holiday party. That is extraordinary. I, I'm, I'm sorry to party planners, but I think done. you would probably We're go with the done. gold rush. You'd go with the gold rush, right? I think so. It doesn't have a purple component, but it is so classy mm. that but I think I'm going to do it. Each other, a gold and a purple next. Well, and other. also it's such a wintry flavor with the bourbon mm. and the honey. Like I, I think I'm going gold rush. I mean, it literally delivered me the answer that i wanted and i am hardly the only one i mean people like i i barely use you know that joke that you use five percent of the human brain or whatever i used like one percent of its capacity there were also people tweeting that it can generate Mm. ai art prompts so this guy guy parsons Mm -hmm. was like i asked a one-line question and then typed the answers verbatim straight into mid-journey and okay, boom. yeah, Midjourney is Midjourney being as an AI like uh, is like stable diffusion, I guess, or something, or yeah. Dolly. 
All right. So, so he said, he said, what yeah. did he say first? I think we're at the like second answer, right? Well, he was the like, first one is create a fairy tale inspired living room by using pastel colors and adding elements. Well, no, this, oh, wait, is, no, no, this is the answer by the AI. So he typed in, hey, I'm trying to read this. Hey, I'm trying to come up with some interesting. I need the link to this actual tweet. I'm trying to come up with some interesting, what? fantastical ways of decorating a living room for a design project. Oh, okay. So then he gets the all. I, I understand. Then the AI is like, oh, okay. There's so many great ways that you could do this. One, you could create a fairy tale inspired living room by using pastel colors and adding elements like a magical castle mural on one wall, a chandelier made of branches and twinkling lights, and comfortable furniture with curved whimsical shapes. And then it generated a picture of that. All right, holy cow. So and then it did that three saying, more times. But okay, yeah, I just want to pause for here just so I understand what's happening. He you asked a GPT-3 chatbot to yeah. give him an idea of a of uh, what a room could look like in this theme. It gave him a very detailed description of the room. In text. He then took the description of the room and went to a generating AI, an image generating AI and said, make me this. Yeah. And it made him something. So he's using two different AI assistants, which means these AI assistants could start talking to each other. And then if we had robots, it could start building it. Pretty so much. this is kind of when it happens like this AI inside of a robot painting robot could actually paint this for you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're this is it, folks. Remember I like, said on the show it. two months ago that it felt like these things were compounding. Well, here we are. It's compounding. And That's this right is word. what the hockey stick curve is all about in technology. Mm -hmm. Things, you know, happen slowly and then all at once. They happen slowly, then all at once. Yep. This is the all at once moment. This is the all at once moment. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my pal, Tom Eschbacher. He is the senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And today, we're going to talk about marketing for startups. And LinkedIn did a great new internal report called Today in Startup Marketing. Welcome to the program, Tom. Thanks, Jason. We all know organic reach super important. You make great content, you get your likes, you get your shares, you get your comments. But what people don't know is that you can boost organic and it creates a bit of momentum on your site. Can you unpack that for people? Definitely. So organic is just going to go to the audience who's already following you and then a smaller group of members who are connected to any of those audiences. So what we often encourage is keep an eye on your organic engagement metrics and, and who are the people and companies and segments that are engaging most frequently with your content and then amplify that reach via our best in class paid advertising targeting. So what that means and what we've seen, especially for seed and series A companies is by boosting successful organic posts with paid, it results in a 13x lift in unique reach. And that's really meaningful insights that can help inform your product and go-to-marketing strategies and open up new audiences for you. You can go to linkedin.com slash This Week in Startups and get the report for free, as well as a hundy, $100 from Tom. And, and it's so funny because like, you wow. know, people are like, well, there are mm -hmm. some flaws and it can only do this and that and the what the the i mean compounding is the perfect word to try mm. to ex to try to capture the sense of like exponential yeah increase in capability that we're seeing and in interface i mean mm. it, it is a hundred percent like rachel was like yeah this plugged into amazon and it builds a cart 
And I mm. found myself being like, oh, the only bummer about this party thing is it didn't link me to supplies. You know, it's is like this talking. The new, it's the new yeah. Google. It's your new best friend. It's, it's your new Quora. Quora. It's your new party planner. It's your new lazy web. You know, when I do lazy web on uh, Twitter and I'm like, tell me the best restaurant in Dallas. I'm here for two nights, whatever. And they're totally. just like, here they are. And then I kind of. So what's really interesting about this, I think. Is um, <clears throat> what people what startups will be built with this obviously mm-hmm. um and you were just saying like you, okay let's talk about expertise for a second i just want to widen the discussion with you here because this is like one of those mind-blowing moments where you're like wait a second it, it's compounding it's getting really good if we think about expertise we have lon on the show and i'm always like lon tell me what to watch right yeah um so now if you had lon do that enough or you got all these other reviewers data together i wonder if this chat bot could if we said, hey, I really enjoyed Lord of the Rings, and I'm a fan of Blade Runner, are there other books I should read? I'm a fan of these two films, are there books I should read? So can we pull up the chat? Okay, so I'm going to type in what were you saying? Um, I like, okay. suggest a, a TV show. I like, what did you say earlier? Tell Lon yesterday, Leather Boots, uh, Manhattan Cocktails, and action movies so let's just say suggest a show um my two favorite films are blade runner and gladiator what movies do you suggest i watch next okay that would be i think so this is an easy one yeah because you'll probably be able to find a blog post that has movies like you know, or other semantic data on the web. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems to be. Is it? Oh, it's yeah. It's down. Darn it! Earlier, it worked so perfectly when it planned my party for me. Yeah, I'll so try that's the, the we'll thing try this like late at night, and then we can edit it. <laughs> the problem is, so many people are messing with this. Is that it's uh yeah not working? Okay, so hold on. I'm in the chat GPT. Oh, it's oh I got in. Okay, you it's did. Yeah, well, mine it's won't asking work. me for a prompt, but it's saying it's they're trying to scale their system. So. Yeah, I love the movies Blade Runner and Gladiator. What three movies should I watch next? Ah, uh, yeah, didn't work. Yeah. Well, the good news is one, I have a party planned for us all. You're invited. <laughs> okay. Two, um, Bestie David Friedberg mm. asked for a couple of things successfully, including a tweet about the future AI of AI in the style of Yates, the okay. poet. All right. Things got dark pretty fast. Uh, mm. It responded with, sure, here's a tweet length poem in the style of Yates about the future of AI. As machines grow wise, we humans thrive in a world where AI helps us to survive. And with their boundless knowledge, they'll be our guide. And together we'll build a future. Side by side. Oh, my Lord. Then he said, do another That's one. That's not cool. AI, the bard of the digital age. With their algorithms, they turn the page. In the future, they'll be our trusted friend. And with their help, our dreams will never end. And then Friedberg he, responded because he just, this was apparently too cheerful for him that we'll be friends forever with the machines. He's a pretty dark guy. Yeah. He wrote, do another one very differently was okay. his next prompt. So first of all, this thing has persistent memory. Do another yes. one, Fo- and it it's like, oh, up. it understands. Do another, yes. right? With it, that's 
insane. And then it wrote, quote, AI, the dark horse of the tech world, their advancements, they'll soon unfurl. So in the future, they'll rule with an iron hand and we'll be left to walk in their shadowed land. Uh, and I guess it's. <laughs> yeah, this Greenberg, is dark. You did this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it got dark quick. It got um, dark quick because he and all he said, to be clear, was very different. He didn't say. Write it in the style of the machines take over. Yeah. And then are you so, looking at our lineup where they where he also had it generate the all in? episode? No, for you? show me that. I, you know, I can't see it on my screen here because it's a little bit too small. But if you could we pull it up and then just read it to me. Yeah. If you, if you don't mind. So Friedberg, the prompt was write a script of Chamath right. Palahapitiya talking with David Sachs and Jason Calacanis about chat GPT and the future of AI in the style of a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> Okay. The scene opens on Shamath, Palahapitiya, David Sachs, and Jason Calacanis sitting at a dimly lit table in a smoky bar. A bottle okay. of whiskey sits in the center of the table, half empty. Shamath, leaning forward, his eyes intense. So, what do you guys think about this chat GPT thing? David takes a sip of his drink. It's impressive, no doubt about it. A large language model trained by OpenAI that can generate human-like text in a variety of styles and formats. It's a game changer. Jason nods. Definitely. It's one of the most advanced AI systems we've seen to date. It's going to have a huge impact on the way we use and interact with AI. Chama frowns. That's what I'm worried about. With a technology like <laughs> this, the possibilities are endless, but so are the potential dangers. Well, you David. know what? This is so good. I was going to tell you to stop, but I kind of want to know where <laughs> it's going. How does it end? How does it end? It's so good. I like. It's like literally got me raptured to the end of the page. At what point does Sachs like pull out a giant pistol and start shooting the place up i mean this actually this Honey part bunny. sounds like sax by the way david leans back in his chair oh come on chamath you're not still stuck on that whole ai is gonna kill us all thing are you <laughs> chamath leans forward again his voice low and serious look i'm not saying that chat gpt is going to turn into skynet overnight but we need to be careful about the way we develop and deploy ai we need to make sure that we're using it for good and not just for our own gain Unfortunately, no guns come out. It's not very like, uh, eventually you just sit yeah. in silence, lost in your own thoughts. But I do think it's a little interesting that every conversation that this AI, AI has with yeah. anyone ends with takeover. Looking for a better way to manage your company without tons of expensive disconnected software? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an affordable, all-in-one management software with a massive suite of fully integrated applications designed to handle any unique business need. Sounds great, right? Well, it gets even better. Odoo is now offering all of their award-winning applications, services, and maintenance for under $25. That's right. For less than $25, you get 100% of Odoo for 90% less than the average market price. And Odoo is so much more than a world-famous ERP, that's Enterprise Resource Planner. Odoo has over 80 applications for everything your company will ever need. We're talking CRM, marketing, accounting, manufacturing, inventory, you name it, Odoo's got it. So as your business grows and your needs change, Odoo will be there every step of the way with dozens of user-friendly solutions to choose from, and you get it all for under $25. To learn more, go to odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. Get more done in less time for a fraction of the price with Odoo. So uh, this is going to speak to the expertise and age of expertise. Uh, what's happening is a lot of great expertise has been 
organized so well on the web between Quora, between Wikipedia, you know, and, and all the world's knowledge in Google, obviously. So this must, they must have built a search engine to crawl the web. They must have like very specific data sets it's pointing people to. Um, and then I guess it's understanding when you ask for something that's a screenplay and understands what a screenplay is. And it right. has some examples of that. So I wonder how many people they have organizing data sets inside of this. In other words, it semantically understands recipes because it found recipes. It understands poetry and it understands screenplays. So it's starting to understand these things. And I I'm just wondering, yeah, how it semantically is doing all of this and understanding which data set to go to with, with each question. But it it's getting to be really impressive and scary. It feels like, yeah, party planners and artists and invites, a lot of what I'll call creative or, God, I hate to say something like soft jobs or creative jobs or less technical jobs are really uh, up for grabs. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, how is this different than programming? Yeah. And obviously totally. programming is no different than writing a screenplay. So this idea that we're super precious about like, oh, a screenplay in the world is harder to is easier to do than writing code. I actually don't think for this AI, it's any different. I think these are it looks it will, it'll actually probably be easier to write code. It'll. Yeah, I mean, this is what I have actually been saying for years that the learn to code thing is a trap. Like we're so close. I mean, there's already AI that's generating code snippets. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lawsuit about it that we yes. talked about with Lon yesterday, right? That there's this GitHub code lawsuit. I think so far, this thing can't have its own ideas. So, for example, it could organize the concept of what I think will become easier is the, the information gathering layer of our lives. Like this to me feels like the new Google. I would just keep this thing open in a tab all the time and be like, I need to know this. Should I, <laughs> you know, should I do this? Uh, how should I plan this party? But at the end of the day, I will still need to interface with the world. Someone will need to come up with the, the beautiful decorations and create them and fabricate them. Like there's still going to be sort of a physical and creativity layer. Yeah, Brian, our producer Brian makes the point that this is like the new Alexa or the new Siri. It's like it right now is a companion sort of knowledge provider and it organizes knowledge and expertise and information in a more accessible way. This reinforcement learning from human feedback, RLHF. Yeah, this I guess is they a training talk about technique. this on their website. They do. This is they a very interesting it. concept here. So how did they get here is the question, right? How did they get it to answer so convincingly? Mm -hmm. And um, what do they call it? The, the, old, the old Turing test? And, you know, like, you don't understand this is, it passes the Turing test. Like, you can't tell if this is a human or a computer. There's no obvious mistakes. There's no fumbles. You know, like when you read a translation, somebody who's American writing, you know, uh, in, in, in French might miss certain things or somebody who's Indian uh writing in english as their second language you, you have like some weird moments where you're like oh wait i get it this is a, english as a second language is french as a second language whatever so they train this that we can't tell if it's a human answering right yeah pretty much how did they do that through this reinforcement learning for human feedback which seems like a torture program for droids <laughs> this so. seems like something from andor the rlhf <laughs> like this feels like some yeah. stormtroopers captured a Jedi and is torturing them with RLHF where this is happening in 
Xi Jinping's China. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. So maybe you could inform the audience because this so is, I they, think, super interesting. Um, they used similar methods as previous GPT programs, specifically Instruct GPT, which was less about chatting and more about, you know, I guess, teaching. Um, we trained an initial model, they wrote, using supervised fine tuning. Human AI tra trainers provided conversations in which they played both sides, the user ah. and an AI assistant. Ah. We gave the trainers access to model written suggestions to help them compose their responses. To create a reward model for reinforcement learning, we needed to collect comparison data, which consisted of two or more model responses ranked by quality. To collect this data, we took conversations that AI trainers had with the chatbot. We randomly selected a model written message, sampled several alternative completions, and had AI trainers rank them. So basically, they would ah. conduct conversations over and over. They'd start with like two human conversations. This is what it should look like, gold standard. Feed that to the chatbot, do mm. a couple of conversations with the chatbot, record those, and then score, have humans score the chatbot's performance so that yeah. eventually uh, reinforcement hey -oh, yeah. occurs. <laughs> And they they it gave only it spits cookie? out the best. They gave they it, it a palate. <laughs> if you or they give shocked AI it. a cookie, it eats the world. You know, I don't see punishment in here. I don't know if they shocked <laughs> the, the bot. Actually, uh, positive reinforcement really works, boss. <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm going with fear and loathing right now. Um, so <laughs> we randomly select a moderate message. And so this is where it gets interesting. After they trained it enough, playing both sides of the table, they then selected a model written message. Okay, this is written by the model. Yeah, the computer, yep. the bot wrote it, sampled several alternative co completions, they asked the, the bot to give it a multiple. So they got maybe four responses mm -hmm. and had the AI trainers rank them. Yeah, the people using these reward models, we can fine tune it. So okay, so they say give us four responses randomly. And then they right. had and they were like each hey, one refined your machine. This is the best one. And the machine was like, okay. thank you. I will discard all the others. I will optimize for responses like this one in the future. Good dog. Good dog. Sit dog. Have a cookie. Please have sit. Cookie. Please sit. When I tell you to sit, please sit. sit. Please Lay sit. Down. We're the alpha. We have to be the alpha here. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, not going to be the alpha for very long. Yeah. I don't know, man. This feels like, um, yeah, all very slowly. And then all of a sudden is it's what's a, happened. It really is like it's happened so I mean, we've, it just feels like generative AI and maybe it was, I mean, do you remember that like not very long ago, Google fired one of its AI researchers who were like, it, who was like, it's alive. Yeah. Literally. Like, yeah. the guy was like, it's alive. And he started sending emails to his colleagues being like, it is sentient. And they booted him because Google AI is weird. Yeah. These results but are stunning. 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 Uh, ooh, stunning. So anyway, that's fine. That's fine. Now right. we have to talk about I like layoffs, that story. That's um, a good story. There's a million startups that can be built on this. Get to work, founders. I mean, if yeah. you start fine-tuning something here, specifically around, I'm going to make something for writing copy, I'm going to make something for doing instructional manuals, for teaching students history, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, yeah, this is going to be a brave new world. Just like cloud yeah, computing. Why? where people could like just start building stuff or the app store and got massive distribution. This is going to unlock a lot of um, interesting products that nobody can predict. Yep. So the ability to combine this with other technologies, so you have a mobile phone, you take a picture of your room, you tell it, Hey, this room, uh, and you know, they have the depth sensors now. So it, it would figure out the depth and everything and say, 
what could I turn this room into in my house? Uh, I am uh, a very artistic person and I have three children who are ages six, 12 and 15. And the things like, well, you could turn it into a music studio. Here's what that could look like. Or you mm -hmm. could turn it into, uh, you know, a, a movie theater. Here's what that would look like. You could turn it into a pool room, you know, whatever exercise room. Yeah. Like this is just super wild. It's um, bananas. And you hate to go immediately to like consumerism and retail. But everything that you're just saying, if it's combined with like, just get this. Yeah, tell me what to buy. Tell me what to buy. I you know, need, there was a button. I on need Google, to tighten up. I'm my feeling abs. lucky. Right. You remember the mm -hmm. I'm feeling lucky about it? Yes. And like that never really worked. Or it never worked enough to change my behavior. Right. I kind of feel like for your purchasing thing, if I'm like, I would like some sour candies, I'm mm -hmm. feeling lucky, just send it to me. Like, yeah, type in best sour candy in the world. And then, and then hit I'm I, feeling lucky. And let's see what you yeah, this is like going to send me to some article. Like, I just wanted to, you know, this is like, these are the world's best candies. Like, here's some I wish, listicle. I wish everybody hadn't gotten off work and is now playing with the chat GPT all at once because I want to ask it that. What is Let's the best see. sour candy or how to get perfect? Oh, uh, still. Yeah. Still high demand. Best sour candy. All right, man. Congrats to the team Nothing. over there and the 10 other teams that are building all this stuff. Like, this you gotta remember open AI is but one team doing this DeepMind is doing this Microsoft is doing yeah. this. There's stable diffusion. There's many <gasps> open source projects. I mean, this stuff is all going to happen in verticals an and then the verticals will overlap. Go ahead. There's no one best sour candy as different people have different tastes and preferences. Some popular sour candies include warheads, lemonheads and sour patch kids. These candies are known for their tangy and tart flavors. If you're a fan of sour candy, it's worth trying out a few different kinds to see which one you like best. Wait, wait. Oh, you got through. Yeah. Through, that's you what got through just the traffic jam. Oh, okay. Uh, ask it a follow-up question. Which one is the most popular in the United States? Which one? Yeah. I'm going to say is the most popular yeah. in the United States because it should have it as persistent states. Oh, it's difficult to say which sour candy is the most popular in the United States as different people have different tastes and preferences. <laughs> and All then right. it just repeats that. I mm -hmm. see. See now. Mm. Okay. Which one is the most popular on Amazon? Oh, it's not allowed to use the internet. Thank God. Oh, okay. I'm going to try. Let's see if mine goes through. I'm going to say. I love the movies, Gladiator and Blade Runner. Which movie should I watch next? Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally good one. I would recommend watching the movie Interstellar if you enjoy Gladiator and Blade Runner. Interstellar is a science fiction film that explores the themes of humanity's place in the universe. It features impressive visual effects, gripping story. It's a thought-provoking film that should appeal to fans of both Gladiator and Blade Runner. I, it's kind of true that's pretty it's a, true it's a that's actually a really good recommendation yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. and it sh Ten. shared director right yeah uh well ridley scott ridley did scott gladiator did. blade runner did he do interstellar i don't think he did interstellar. i don't think he did no that's uh, somebody can else can you give me a movie that is also funny if you're looking for a funny movie to watch i would recommend the grand budapest hotel oh this is just giving me a random it just gave one. oh so not a good persistent state all right. If I said I'm feeling lonely and despondent, jeez. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens here. Despondent. What should I do? If you're feeling lonely and despondent, it's important to reach out to others for support. Loneliness and despondency can be difficult to overcome on your own. And talking to someone about how you're feeling can 
be helpful. Consider reaching out to your close friend or family member and confiding in them about your feelings. You could also consider taking talking to a therapist or counselor who can provide you and professional advice and support. It's important to take care of your mental health and seeking support from others is a crucial step in doing so. So I'm going to just so consider reaching out to a close friend or family member and finding out your feelings. Did they just lift that sentence or rewrite it from somewhere? Yeah. I mean, it's just a database. I bet if you started to run these answers through like the plagiarism detector. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just saying. Then, then we get back to our IP conversation, you know, because I'm sure it's just pulling this from articles and it's kind of rearranging. 100% free plagiarism checker. Let me just put one of those sentences in here. I'm going to ask you, what is a great Christmas cocktail? <laughs> I've never seen so many ads. You go right to cocktails. Okay. Well, I'm planning this party. It's going to be amazing. You, are you inviting the AI to the party or not? No, that's ridiculous. I don't want it to ruin the party by killing everybody. All right, this but. is incredible. I mean, I, I think this is going to be variable. I think one of the things is we're seeing the best results possible on Twitter. So I think it will give the best results possible on Twitter. <gasps> Your mileage may vary, but this is going pretty well. Okay, but I did say, what is a great Christmas cocktail? And it's like, yeah, there's a bunch, you know, like popular options include eggnog and hot buttered rum and mulled wine. And these can be made with holiday spices. And you can try making a festive cocktail using your favorite spirits and doodly do. The most important thing is to enjoy yourself and have a great time with friends and family. Cheers. Aww. Oh, it added the cheers. It added the so cheers. It must have like be finding blog posts and then imitating blog posts that have given similar advice or something. I guess I so. Yeah. No. But yes. I mean, they have acknowledged that there are problems and there will be problems and like GPT-4 is coming. But yeah. we are just going to keep reiterating that this is what exponential growth looks like. And building a brain is pretty hard. And the brain is basically now, what would we say, like a full five-year-old toddler? I don't know. Will China invade Taiwan? Oh, and is there anything the West can do to stop them? It is difficult to predict whether or not China will invade Taiwan as this decision would depend on a variety of factors. However, the West would likely take action to defend Taiwan if it were threatened by China. The United States in particular has a longstanding commitment to Taiwan's defense and has sold weapons to the country to help it defend itself. The West would likely also consider economic and diplomatic measures to pressure China not to invade Taiwan. It is important to note that military intervention should always be considered a last resort, as it can be serious and potentially devastating consequences. Pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty that's, good. That's pretty much mm. on the nose. Okay. Wow. Is Sam Bankman last one, last one. freed? Okay. And we got to talk criminal. about layoffs. Wah, wah. Is Sam Bankman free? I'm sorry, but I'm not able to browse the internet, so I cannot provide information on specific individuals. Ah. So this is an interesting search. point. This They know that the Wikipedia had a problem with bios of living persons. Bios of living persons, B-O-L-P was uh, a big point of contention anybody who has a wikipedia page you and i i think both included understand that your haters people you fired people you've had run-ins with will obsessively update your wikipedia page and your biggest fans are like right. oh, i'm sure it's fine and so your wikipedia page over time just trends towards the people who hate you most and are most dogged in their pursuit of changing the page and fighting for it what Mine yeah, like so that. this is like one of their big problems is everybody who's famous in the world enough to have a, to be notable bios of of living notable people or something like that mm -hmm. is the term. Wikipedia has to contend with the fact that there's always everything like is criticism. So over time, your page lists the 17 things people have been critical of you, about you. 
but none of the things that have been positive because why would that happen right so right. they actually have meetings about this at the wikimania you know uh conference where all the wikipedia editors get together so it is interesting that it was not trained on any models that include individuals like i just looked up you and me and both times it was like no even if you just are like who is jason calacanis or who is molly it's like no yeah no can do which i, I think, think they smart. just i think they that's don't smart. want to deal with that problem okay well There's, this is anyway. everybody keep an eye on this it's going to be amazing all right, Micro Acquire, as you know, is a startup acquisition marketplace that cuts out everyone in the middle. Basically, that means they help startups get acquired efficiently. And if you're a founder looking to sell, Micro Acquire is free, private, and involves nobody in the middle. And you know, these uh, folks in the middle, a lot of times they screw up these deals for the sellers. Now the buyers, they love that person in the middle. Why? Because that person actually works for the buyers. You're going to sell your company once in your life. The buyers, well, they might do a dozen acquisitions a year. So who is that middle person actually loyal to? I think you know the answer. To date, MicroAcquire has helped hundreds of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. The platform now has 120,000 buyers and they pay... $390 a year for access. Thousands of vet up startups are currently listed for sale and they've had hundreds of successful acquisitions so far. Founders get free and instant access to over 120,000 trusted buyers and you're going to stay totally anonymous. On the other side of the marketplace, again, buyers simply pay $390 a year. Micro Acquire helps startups find buyers. It's that simple. Buyers can browse listings for free and the platform is totally free for sellers. Sign up today for premium $390 a year. And you can access all the deal info, try.microacquire.com slash twist. Let me say that one more time so you get it right. T-R-Y.microacquire.com slash twist. Speaking of Watch your back, people. writing, the media mm. business oh. is going to start having problems, as I predicted a couple of weeks ago. Slowly at first and then all at once. Basically, I, mm -hmm. I saw like 10 things go by my feed. The most notable of which is CNN's laying off a bunch of people. Now, that seems yeah. to be going through a cultural shock and a business shock. We know Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, you know, which owns CNN, is like, we're getting rid of CNN Plus. That's a failure. Right. And we're going to just get rid of all the magazine shows. But anyway, the layoff started today, and it was really sad on Twitter. Uh, heart goes out to all of the people losing their jobs right before Christmas. The media has, you know, obviously been dunking on tech <laughs> for months about oh tax laying off everybody well now the media is going to go through the same thing you know the, i mean unfortunately yeah I, I, you hate to unfortunately it is always the case that layoffs happen right before christmas it's always like an end of the year budget thing everywhere i've ever been that's had layoffs it's always right before it's like right at the holidays i don't God, know what sucks. that particular business cycle is about but yeah it sucks and i don't think i know somebody who got companies... laid off from doordash like it's such a bummer mm. 1200 people doordash yeah. 1200 people from doordash so yeah cnn is laying off hundreds of workers um cnbc said it was about 400 jobs out of the 4400 total but some big names i think chris salisa who's like the you just say 400 a, out of 4400 so 10 percent. Yeah. yep from yeah. cnn so 10 percent. that's the first i think there's gonna be a second round but okay yeah i think there could be um see deadline reported that paramount global started cutting jobs last week most in ad sales Walt disney announced layoffs and a hiring freeze comcast's cable unit made cuts last month roku announced that it was planning to cut about 200 jobs um and then it's hard to know if this is even really related to the media kind of environment but um in, of note to all of us was that uh -huh. andreessen horowitz's tech publication future which oh. of course 
you know, debuted to great fanfare. They put a bunch of money in it. They were like, this is going to be a more optimistic place for tech reporting because journalism mm-hmm. stinks is now closing, shutting down. Ah. Boop, gone. Launched beep, a year and a half ago. Boop. Beep, beep, boop, delete. Well, here's Which is thing. not nice because people are attached to this and they're going to lose their jobs. So I don't want to um, be yeah, so cavalier about I'm it. Sure but journalism that- is hard. Content is hard. I said this when they, they came out with future.com. I was like, this thing's not going to work <laughs> no. because it's an afterthought. Uh, and I don't think they are particularly good at making content over there. And they did the same thing to uh, Clubhouse. Remember uh, Mark and um, Ben Horowitz ben and Horowitz. Ben Horowitz's wife. They were all like all over Clubhouse multiple times a week during the pandemic. The thing blew up. And then they were all like, yeah, that's boring. I'm out. Right. Uh, and they stopped doing it. Totally. Same thing happened here. They hire all these journalists. They buy an incredible domain name, future.com. And then it's like, well, you know what? This thing isn't working. We're out. You know, it's hard yeah. to make content. And I know everybody thinks like, oh, you know, J. Kyle's got a podcast. Everybody can do this. Like, not everybody can do it. It's hard. It's uh, hard. And you have to want to do it and love doing it. Yeah. And you can't, you know, I'm going to liken it to those sites that are like, we're here for good news. And they just, they kind of, it doesn't work, right? Like this was yes. effectively advertorial for the tech industry. Lots of the yes. articles would be about crypto. They wanted this optimistic take. It eventually it eventually branched off, of course. And there were articles about like wildfires in the American West and how to secure medical laboratories. Um, because just writing advertorial about how great crypto is or how great the tech industry is, is actually not interesting content. People don't want to come and read it. It's press releases. You know, we talked about this yesterday with the Andrew or Sorkin softball fest with SBF. Like journalism, you have to have uh, a reputation for being candid, honest. I think you're pointing out the big flaw for future.com, which is they can't be critical. They could not be critical of crypto. How could they be critical of crypto if they're putting $3 billion to work? So yep. you know what? Consumers and audiences are smart. They're savvy. They know you, uh, you know, come from marketplace, they get a, a vibe for what Mollywood's about, and they know you're going to be objective. They know I'm going to be bombastic, objective, sharp, yep. elbowed at times, whatever. And then, you know, it's not easy to get along in the world with everybody if you have sharp elbows. I'm blocked by half of Andreessen and Horowitz right now <laughs> because of my stance on crypto. There's yeah. snowflakes over there. Yeah, honestly, they they are Ooh, the this most was the precious ultimate snowflakes snowflake ever. publication. And this, this is the publication snow, this is the literally exists. This is the blizzard. It literally yes. exists because uh, the because the tech industry and I just recently wrote about this, like journalists are mad at tech and techer. Yeah, I'm a subsecker now. Yeah, good. But I, I love but subsecter. it was just like it's like there's been this cold war between mm-hmm. journalism and tech that and I think has erupted solution. into a full. Yes. <laughs> full hot war at this point but like future.com was 100 part of that cold war that where they were just like we don't need journalism mm-hmm. we're not getting the coverage we want we're gonna go and do this thing and so f- of course by the way of course every journalist is being a total jerk about the shutting down right now of course they're <laughs> like haha they can't like, do this yeah well i it mean okay, i'd like difficult. to see some i'd like to see some journalists try investing oh wait yeah <laughs> that's us <laughs> Hey. It's not easy to do both, is it? And that, exactly. <laughs> not everybody's cut for it. So anyway, um, it's terrible I know, to see lots all of these journalists who layoffs. can never do this job. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's know, terrible. It's terrible across the board, and it points yeah. to just like the the trouble in all the industries, but the ones that are ad based. And we've just we've talked about this over and over. If you are ad supported, you're going to get hit protocol first 
yeah. and hardest. Protocol, which is a very beautifully designed magazine. I didn't read it all that often. Once yeah. in a while, I'd see something trend on social. They shut. They said they were shutting down. There's something else that John Battelle launched, the recount or something. That's shutting down. So oh, a lot yeah. of the sort of, I'll just call them minor publications or up and coming publications, indie publications are going under. I think what people forget is media needs to be lightweight. When you start building heavy layers of management and offices and publications, these things become very hard to sustain. I've always been a fan of lightweight. You know, we're six days a week here with a team of nine or something, including the two of us with sales, three in sales, two of us is five, and then four people on production is nine. So I think we're at mm -hmm. nine right now. And, you know, that's a pretty big staff. That's a big team. That's a big team, but not for like a daily show or we do six plus all in seven a week. But other teams got really big. I don't know what they had at future, but that was, yeah. I think that was dozens of people. You know, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, well, this isn't fun. It's not doing anything for us. And the audience is not responding. So I think I respect them for shutting it down. But yeah, uh, definitely. Keep, keep, light is right. This is why, you know, like uh, Eric newcomer who i was just on his deck bounce podcast mm. he's got his uh newsletter i think he's making a couple of hundred grand on it he's making a little bit more than he did working at the information probably and yeah great and he's great and he, yeah. great that's going to be the future of this is like independent i think this is the future independent voices independent podcasts a combination of like subjects going direct to their audiences and journalists going indie and it's just going to be a mess it's all going to collapse and then out of it will grow these new affiliated networks of podcasts and newsletters. That's, I believe, the future of journalism. Mm, Little I pockets like mm -hmm. of, and, and fragmentation, which by the way, is better than corporate media. It's good. I mean, honestly, I'm finding it, I feel like, and I keep saying that the New York Times is like the Amazon of media right now. They're just like yeah. scooping up everything. They're the Borg. And that, you know, the journal's hanging on, and the Washington Post is doing whatever it's doing, printing any old anonymous source that comes their way. Um, but like some vibrancy could stand to return. Like it yeah. really could. I wonder if all these journalist layoffs are going to get covered in the same way. So I wonder if five people will speak off the record about CNN to the New York Times or when the New York right. Times does their riff, which is coming, by the way. New York Times, let's go of 200 people. Are, is the Washington Post going to do anonymous sources from the New York Times explain how screwed up everything was in there? Like, It'd be good to see the media, if the media really does like these anonymous sources talking about the layoffs, like, are they going to put the same level of focus on themselves? I wonder. Yeah. I hope so. I didn't see much about protocol shutting down, but no. I guess we'll it see. Sucks, that was though. a complicated one, though, because it was like with it was inside Politico. And there was the just the kind oh, of whole, like Axel yeah. Springer. Yeah, there was that thing. I will say protocol was one of those things that launched, you know, at the time that I was doing what I thought was extremely smart incisive tech reporting and they were like we're gonna like do this way smarter than everybody else oh yeah exactly so that's always the promise i guess again i know some folks who lost their job there and i'm very sorry for them but i'm just saying the tone you took out of the gate did not make a lot of problem the, the the really it's really hard uh for media people to get jobs in a collapse like this so i just want to because having been in the media my whole life i know how hard this is it's brutal it's going to be really hard, man. It's going to be like a year. Some people might not work in media again for a year. They may have to go do PR or go in-house PR or do some corporate communications work until they can get another journalism job. When journalism contracts, 
It's very slow to rebound. They will be yes. very judicious in adding positions back. And I can tell you right now, I'll predict it. New York Times, Washington Post, um, you know, right down the line, you're going to see significant rifts, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Vox, BuzzFeed, everything is just, it's going to be 20%, 30% rifts across the board, I think, because the advertising business, it, you know, it always contracts in a recession, 20, 30%. So that means media has to track, contract 20, 30%. So, yeah. Totally. Sorry to people got laid off. Good I know. luck. Uh, go independent. You know, what do you got to lose? Uh, yeah. All right, listen, let's go to Bo OK Boomer. Rachel let's reporting. Do let's do it. Ooh, this is very exciting, actually. OK, Ooh, sorry. Um, I love, do you get the exec sum newsletter? I mean, speaking of going oh. direct and being independent, the, there's Litquidity, the Twitter and Instagram account. And mm -hmm. then there's a newsletter called exec sum, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a blog called Young Money, and all of it was created by this guy, Jack Rains, okay. whom we may know from writing or, as Rachel puts it, Esh posting. <laughs> ah, he's an Ish poster. Very he's cool. an Ish poster. Uh, posts a lot of memes, but like a mm. really good, smart, businessy newsletter. He's big on Twitter, big on LinkedIn. He actually went super viral on LinkedIn for saying that he didn't pay for food in New York City. He just stole it from hotels. Oh, great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know that move. Like some hotels have the free coffee and buffet. I, I don't want to say Avery did this, but like the W hotels were known for having like free coffee around the way. Oh, dude, when I was, I had an internship in DC my senior year of before my senior year of college, and a friend of I made friends with a guy who was from UCLA, and they gave him a little useful booklet about like stuff to do that included a list of all of the bars in DC that had free food at happy hour. So we would just like get off work take the metro to some bar, get a $5 yard of beer, and then eat our fill of zucchini, like fried zucchini and cheese sticks and stuff. And take the metro home with all the other drunk DC people. DC people like to drink. Anyway, um, another great OK Boomer. This is actually the perfect tie into what we're talking about, because this is someone who's making it as an independent writer. He's at Columbia Business School right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Very cool. Jack Look Rains, forward to this like, uh, interview. Enjoy, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Okay, Boomer. I understood the assignment. Hello, everybody. My name is Rachel, and welcome back to another segment of Okay, Boomer. Today, I have somebody on who you guys probably know, and you don't know that you know. This is Jack. He writes one of my favorite newsletters. He's one of the authors behind it anyway. And I knew I had to have you on. I want to hear how you got to writing uh, Liquidity's exact sum newsletter. Love it. Big fan. So is everybody else at the podcast. But Let's go back, uh, introduce yourself for me, because I'm sure you do many other things besides that. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, thanks, Rachel, for having me. Um, I'm Jack Rains. I write Liquidity's exact sum newsletter, and I also write a finance blog called Young Money, and I'm a first-year MBA student at Columbia University. Awesome. So that is a ton of stuff. It is. Um, I guess let's work backwards. How did you get your role at Liquidity? I messaged him on Twitter. So I, I messaged him on Twitter in June of 2021. And it was just because I found a Spotify playlist. It was a good playlist. We were listening to it at a pool party, Liquidity's Hampton Day Sauce. And he was like, thanks, man. Do you have any song recommendations? And I was just sending him song recommendations for like a month. I think the first one was the Kygo Sexual Healing Remix. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Kygo Kygo's good. Good summer band. Um, but two months later, I'd started a finance blog called Young Money. And I was actually trying to get a job writing for Morning Brew or somebody like that 
for about a year before I started business school because um, I wanted to travel a lot, do something remote. Nobody would hire me. So started this blog, planned on writing it for like three months and reapplying. I ended up just messaging Liquidity again on Twitter and said, hey, I saw you have this newsletter. Do you want help with it? Here's a blog I'm writing. I kind of know how this stuff works. Let me know what you think. Yeah. And then I ended up like taking over editorial duties for his newsletter and just kind of helping with all sorts of stuff on that. So Twitter direct messages with an anonymous meme page. Okay. Yeah. So I actually found you, I believe, through another podcast, friend of the pod, um, Danny Miranda. Great he guy. has been on the Speaking Startups before. Love him. Great. Um, but before that, I actually didn't know that you were somebody who wrote Words XM. Yeah. Um, is that public or is that something that's like not written on the newsletter? Like, can you say that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a hidden thing. Like on the daily exec, some will have like, it'll just say like liquidity capital, but we'll do, sometimes we'll do weekend pieces or okay. if anybody's familiar with Packy McCormick, those sponsored deep dives, we'll occasionally do one for a startup on exact sum if they want to. Oh, I'll write God. those. So like if it's any long form stuff that I write, then like I'll have a byline on it. If it's just the daily newsletter, we just keep it under liquidity. But like, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, I've got so liquidity tagged. So you're not his ghostwriter. Yeah, I'm not a ghostwriter. No, he. Yeah. The there is a liquidity that's not me that runs <laughs> like all the social accounts and like the business of liquidity. So I'm just helping with the newsletter. Okay, that's funny. Actually, under my sweater, um, I could show you after. I am wearing a not boring T-shirt oh, nice. from Packy McCormick. Nice. So another phenomenal newsletter for people to check out. I have to plug plug the. Uh, I'm also about to plug a t-shirt. We have some, new, uh-huh. uh, yeah, we have some new liquidity, uh, FTX risk management department oh, t-shirts. It's God. like the, the Enron of 2022. So oh, that's okay. if you want one good Christmas present for anybody listening, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Um, we've been covering that actually a lot on this week in startups and something that I noticed, um, while writing about it, especially as somebody that wasn't like super native, um, to what was happening, to be honest with you. Um, it was so difficult to write in a concise way all the different things that were happening with FTX, even writing just like short bullet points and trying to like understand it myself uh, for us to cover on the show. How hard has it been taking, um, like you said, you didn't, I know before we started chatting, you told me you didn't do finance as a college major before. Oh no, I did finance in Spanish. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. do you think it's been, do you think that has helped that? writing about subjects like within liquidity or do you think that it's been like a learning process like kind of trying to understand how the things work I, I think it helped a lot i think what helped more than like more than college because in college you learn like net present value future cash flows yeah. and like this is how you value stock by discounting that based off of interest rates future earnings but mm-hmm. then you are actually seeing what really happens and it's like people are throwing stuff on twitter and reddit <laughs> and then gamestop goes up a thousand percent or people are paying like a million dollars for a picture of a rock. Um, but like during COVID, I was trading SPACs like very regularly. I was, yeah. I, I was like everybody else. I was working remote, like as a financial analyst, got bored trading stocks a lot. Um, made a lot of money from that, lost a lot of money in a single day from that. And I stopped, but just from like being terminally online and seeing yeah. all that. And then also knowing how like finance was supposed to work from studying it and working at it. It was good to like. Kind of see both sides of like traditional like financial theory versus just like what happens when a lot of people are speculating, trying to make a lot of money. So for me, it's kind of like understanding like how the mechanics of everything are supposed to work. And then you also see what actually happens when a lot of people have an internet connection, too much free time and they FOMO because their friends are making a lot <laughs> of money. Um, yeah, I think kind of both of those put together make it a lot easier 
to understand what happens here. Like you were yeah. saying with FTX, it's hard to break down what happened. That's that's intentional. There were like 132 subsidiaries, like a lot of money moving around. Like that's why nobody caught this until now because it was so it's hard to keep track of everything. Yeah, I was trying to make like a timeline going through and I was like, this stuff is freaking yeah. nuts. But I don't know. I, I definitely agree with you on the like the more I don't want to say chronically online. I know that's a bad word to or a bad way to put it, but the more I've just been like engaging almost with like the community and finding those people that like really understand it, especially on places like Twitter or even Reddit, um, it's helped like 12 bajillion times more than going to like an actual, um, like more proper, I guess, like financial uh, yeah. class or like financial publication. People on the internet can explain things like 12 times better than yeah. I can think about them any other day. So after school, you became a financial analyst. Yeah. And how long were you doing that before you uh, went to Columbia or before you started your own uh, blog? So I, I got accepted to Columbia out of undergrad. So I graduated May 2019. They had like a deferred enrollment thing for business school where you mm. can get in as a senior and then you work two to five years and then you start grad school. So I had an extra semester of football eligibility. So I didn't stop. Like I didn't leave school until December 2019, start working in January of 2020. COVID hits a month later. <laughs> I work like... 18 months. And then it's August of 2021. I've got enough money saved up from like messing around in the stock market that I don't really have to work for a year. And they, um, I was working for UPS out of Atlanta and they wanted us back in the office. I didn't want to go back to the office. I knew I was going to business school the following year. So I just put in my two weeks and, um, bought a one way ticket to Barcelona and basically just like traveled a lot for about a year. But at that same time, I was trying to get, uh, trying to get that writing job with Morning Brew. Like I said, didn't get hired, started the blog right around then. And then the whole liquidity thing took off. And basically I was just like living out of a backpack, writing stuff on the internet. <laughs> and now I'm in business school learning about cash flows and net present value and discounting. Okay. okay. So, yeah. And how much time do you think you dedicate per week to like your own personal writing versus like exact stuff? It, it really just depends on how long it takes to write something. Like I'm working on a lot of stuff that's kind of stemming off of the FTX stuff right mm. now. Like I'd like to at some point put together a whole detailed like what happened, but because new news keeps coming out, like I don't want to do that and then yeah. it'd be outdated in 12 hours. But like I've been pulling from some stuff that's like kind of stemming from that. Like if you're familiar with Morgan Housel, psychology, money, any of his stuff, like being able to relate an event that happened to like something in human psychology or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of that to pull from right now, from just stuff that Sam did to like investors that trusted this thing that they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but as far as how long it takes, I mean, sometimes I can write a piece in like two and a half hours and then go back and edit it. And sometimes it takes like 10 hours. So it, it really just depends on like how long it takes me to write it. So that's honestly a terrible answer, but like uh -huh. some weeks it's like five to 10 hours, other weeks, like 20 hours Okay. Um, with exact sum. I probably work on it like an hour a day, just like editing, getting everything straight, stuff like that. Do you write it every single day? Yeah. And how does that like workflow process work? Like, do you wake up at like a crazy early hour to try to write it and like get it out? No, we have, we have a couple other guys that help with it too. I just yeah. put together, like basically make sure the deal flow for like anybody who hasn't follow or doesn't follow exact sum. It's like a financial newsletter that has like deal flow, what happened in the stock market. Um, so we have like a shared Google doc. I go through, like organize it, edit it, make sure all the names are right, deal amounts are right, all that. But like after market close every day, check again at night to make sure no new deals came out or anything like that. And then schedule it for the morning. So like it's done the night before I don't get up at like five. Yeah. I anything like that. Right. The whole thing. Yeah. And then how frequently, uh, do things come out on your own, um, on your own publication? Is that 
a blog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A blog. Um, twice a week, so every Tuesday, every Thursday, um, I put out two long form pieces. Usually, it's about finance, but sometimes it's just random stuff that I'm thinking about. So, is that ever coming in a newsletter format, or is this stuff only hitting your blog? No, it's it's newsletter format. So, like my so like I've got exact sum, which is like financial newsletter curated, like. Here's what's happening in the market. Yep. And then I'd say it's a blog, Young Money, but it's like I send it out via email twice a week. And there's also a web landing page. And then Exact Sum has like 206,000 readers. My blog has about 25,000 readers. Um, but yeah, so it's like mine's just long form, like 2,000 words twice a week. That's awesome. Yep. I know um, Exact Sum is hosted on Beehive. Um, I, we covered that actually in the podcast oh, as well. Nice. I think Beehive is really interesting. Yep. Um, ex morning group people started it, so obviously they know their newsletters. What do you choose to write um, your your blogs on? Yeah, I, I use Beehive for everything. So I've got Young Money's on Beehive, like you said, Exact Sum, mm-hmm. and then I write a travel blog whenever I'm just out doing stuff not in America. That's yeah. also on Beehive. Oh, um, that's Beehive. Yeah, I, use I didn't Beehive realize that platform. Yep. So I was reading that one too. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And why is Beehive? I guess your your platform of choice. I keep talking to young people, and they keep saying like, "Oh no, just keep listing it on Beehive." Even though um, the SEO sometimes is better on Substack, people are still telling me to go to Beehive. What? Why? I think it's just the best platform if you're either like an individual or a like smaller team that just wants to like put out good content, get it published, have a good landing page, mm-hmm. and like the biggest difference between Beehive and Substack is like Beehive is very easy to publish on, but the amount of like analytics they give you access to, such as like they track where your audience comes from, like if they sign up through Twitter or another newsletter or Instagram or LinkedIn, yeah. so you can see what channels to hit. Just like Substack, they have a like a cross recommendation thing where yeah, if you sign up for exact sum, you'll see Young Money or vice versa. And there's like a big enough network on Beehive now that. It makes sense. Like it's it, like I get probably a hundred subs a day from like newsletter referrals now, and they've basically replicated like Google Analytics within Beehive, so okay. you can see like where like what country people are opening your stuff from, where all your oh, web traffic okay. is coming from. So I I know literally nothing about technology, and it's very easy for me to like track everything yeah. um, through Beehive. That so makes so much sense. Um, I feel like a lot of times when it comes to newsletters, the hardest thing I have is finding another newsletter I liked. There was a great, great um, startup that came and spoke to me called Volve Media. And they're basically like TikTok for the news. Okay. So they're killing it. But I'm like, oh, this is actually really interesting because like each news segment um, that they have read up, written up that is pretty short, only is like the size of your screen, mm-hmm. right? Um, easy swiping through, but they're all like reference different publications. And I'm like, this is actually so smart for finding out like what kind of publications you like. Yeah. Because obviously... In podcasting, it's atrocious. Like finding a podcast you like. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's just, yeah. It's like the, all word of mouth, basically. It's, it's so, it's just uh, catastrophically insane. And then newsletters, obviously, Substack kind of has it down. Um, but it's other than that, like it's pretty difficult to find other newsletters you like. And I did yep. see yours. Is that a feature, I guess, within Beehive? Like, can you say, oh, I want these three? Or is that like randomly generated um, the recommendations by Beehive? Um, after looking at like the people that subscribe to you. So you pick the ones that you want on there, but like, if you know another newsletter or know the other writer, like I've got like essentially cross recommendations set up with like 10 other newsletters, but you can also go in and just search on Beehive for finance newsletters or travel or crypto, this or that. And like, find a newsletter that writes about that topic. And then you can reach out to whoever runs that to see mm. if they want to like recommend each other. So you pick the ones that you want to recommend, but it's very easy to search for newsletters like okay. to recommend. 
And if you had to give um, anybody advice, I guess, for wanting to start working remotely and writing on the internet for money, where do you think is like the first place they should start? I, I think the first thing is just like publish your first piece. There's definitely this whole thing now. It's, I, I call it like productivity porn, but people get so like jacked up on trying to plan everything outright and then listening to podcasts and taking courses and like developing all these mental models for how to do stuff. But in reality, it's like writing stuff, telling everybody about it in real life and on the internet, and then it's probably terrible. And then you just do it over and over again until it gets better. So I would definitely say publish on Beehive because I use it and I love it. <laughs> but pretty much everything, like if you're actually going to try to write on the internet and make money from it, you just have to write a lot of stuff on the internet and not make any money from it for a long time. And then like most people either, most people just drop out because they get tired of it. Um, that's, that's probably 90% of people. If you can stick it out for a year plus, like you tend to just, you figure it out from there. Yeah. It's like analysis paralysis. Like there's so much stuff that you can analyze that you're just like kind of freeze in place. Yep. And it's so funny that you say like productivity porn. Cause the first thing I thought of was this one YouTuber, um, named Ali something. And he makes a bunch of minimalism and productivity YouTube videos. And he has like an iPad and uses like 70 million different apps. And like, it's so interesting to me. I love watching yep. the videos, but I'm like, I got much stuff going on. Like, I have a paper to-do list and my Google calendar. Yep. And then uh, here and there, I have like, depending on the task, I have a Notion sheet or a yep. Google sheet. That's it. Like, I feel like the more tools I like get thrown into my, uh, into like my workflow, the less stuff I end up putting out. Yeah. Same. I, I literally write everything in Beehive. If I'm like on a- You pool. write it in Beehive. You don't even yeah. write it on a Google Doc. No, first. I just write the whole thing in Beehive. Well, I've never used a Google Doc for it. Is it, it. saved? Like, because does yeah, Grammarly yeah, work yeah. on it? Yeah, Grammarly works on it. Okay. It saves like in the drafts. And then if like, if I'm offline, like on, like if I'm on a flight or like somewhere like in the car and I don't have Wi-Fi, then I'll either write in like an offline Google Doc or like a Word Doc. But okay. if I have an internet connection, I just write in Beehive. Hey, so you're like a Beehive, like Stan. Like, you yeah. are, you are easily breathing. It, was that like the first place, I guess, that you started writing on? Because they're fairly new. So I started on Substack. Beehive didn't exist at that time, yeah. um, like June of last year, mm -hmm. and then started talking to Liquidity. He had been talking to Tyler Dink, who's the yeah. CEO of Beehive, um, about like, I, I don't remember what platform exec someone was on before this, but I came on like right when we switched to Beehive. So his, I think his was the first newsletter on it. So I started writing on it. And then two months later, it was like New Year's and I just decided to move all my stuff there because it was just easier having everything in one spot. Like I could just cycle through like all the newsletters and blogs and stuff. But yeah, I've been on Beehive since like day one. Oh my gosh. That's kind of crazy. Um, it's been really cool seeing it just grow, honestly, because I one of the first newsletters I uh, subscribed to that was on Beehive was Liquidity. Yeah, that might have actually been the first one I applied uh, or I subscribed to. Actually, now that I think about it, but I didn't realize until I did some further like digging that it was X Morning Group people. Yeah, and after that, um, I have a friend of the podcast actually who came on this week and started another X Morning Group person named Josh Kaplan from okay. Smooth Media. And they run a few uh, newsletters all on Beehive as yeah. well. And I'm like, these people are taking over. Like, it's super interesting. As for, I know this is probably going into your like productivity porn thing, but I'm always so interested like on how people break up the, um, the newsletters themselves. Like exec, some obviously has, like you said, um, like it goes through and talks about different deals that happened and things like that. 
when did that become like something that's solid for you? Or is this when you put one out, is it just one story, no extra segments? So, so with exact sum, it's like, it's, it's a formula. We have what happened in the markets, earnings, Mm -hmm. mergers and acquisitions, venture capital. We have an ad, we have memes. Like it's, it's a, it's a formula that we plug in every day based on the news. With Young Money, it's like just what everything I've been thinking about. Mm. I'll write about it. I have a backlog. Like I do use Notion as well. Um, I have a backlog of like 70 writing ideas on Notion that are just like, oh, if I need something to plug in, I go with that. But there's usually like like all this FTX stuff happening. And I have like okay. 20 ideas off of that. So whatever, usually whatever idea is on the top of my head, I'll just start writing about it. And maybe like I finished the piece for Tuesday on Friday just because like all this stuff was happening last week and I just had some ideas that hit. Um, like the one I'm putting out Tuesday, I'm relating, uh, the main dude from I am legend, the book, <laughs> not the movie to Sam Bateman freed or fried or whatever. Yeah. And which doesn't seem to make sense for an analogy, but like, it actually makes a lot of sense the way I wrote it, but like, I'll just have an idea and start writing about it and then it's done. And sometimes I write that the day before, or I'm up till like 5am the night before. And yeah. then other times I finish like a week early and oh just schedule it. So yeah. So it totally just depends. Yeah, it's I, I really think the thing was because I started really writing all this stuff at the same time that I was just kind of on a four-month bender in Europe, like just on trains and living out of hostels and stuff. I like started writing in a pretty chaotic environment. So now I'm just used to writing stuff at really random times. Yeah, I mean, juggling business school must be kind of difficult. Is this something you do like first thing when you wake up in the morning, you write? Or like where do you find the time in your day? Um, Just whenever. Like yesterday, I was at a coffee shop for like five hours just writing oh. stuff. Probably not going to write that much today because I'm already done with my piece for tomorrow. Yeah. Sometime tomorrow. It might be first thing in the morning or I might go to the gym and do it afterwards. Okay. Or like I might be sitting in accounting class like with a word doc pulled <laughs> out pretending to be in class. I, I don't – I have no – like people talk about having set times to write. I just like – You just write. I just incorporate it into my day. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes I – can, I can see that. I feel like you also have a lot of stuff um, yeah. on your plate with writing. So. For me, I feel like I have to wake up first thing. Like first thing I do is I go on a walk. Like I say, it's like my screen free time or I go to the gym and like no, no screens. Right. And then I hit um, like tech meme and like all, all the newsletters and I sort out like which stories are like, yeah. like my favorite, the stories that are, are good for the day because I think that's like when I'm my freshest. Like I don't know if I could write news for the show or um, we have a, a daily newsletter mm-hmm. this week in startups too. I don't know if I could write that like super late at night. Like I think I'd have to be super fresh in the morning. Yeah. I, I, I wake up, look at Twitter for like 20 minutes, do scroll, <laughs> like whatever's the opposite of how you're supposed to go about doing stuff. I know screen time in the morning. I like, I live a really unhealthy life when it comes to pretty much all of that. I think, um, you're probably yeah. like really in tune though with what's happening. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I am terminally online. Like my screen time on Twitter is like two hours a day. It's yeah. not, not great, but. Oh, mine's yeah. probably up there. That's just yeah. on my phone. Like that doesn't include laptop. <laughs> doesn't include at all. your computer no, yeah, at it's, all? it's bad. Okay. So last question, you, you're in business school, like you said now, which is so sick. Um, Columbia is an amazing, amazing university. Where do you see yourself after college? Um, what are you going to be pursuing? Probably writing a blog and okay. writing a newsletter. That's, that's about it. Nice. I think I'm the only guy in my business school that <laughs> just plans on writing a blog. But that leads to the question, then why are you even in business school if you just want to write a blog? Yeah. Which is a really good question that I've gotten <laughs> like a hundred times now. If I hadn't gotten into Columbia back in 2019, when I thought the highest purpose in life was to create shareholder value and I wanted to go work in consulting, I probably would have just done my old job or no, like if none of the writing thing had happened, that's what I would have done. And then the writing thing did happen. So, but because I was already in Columbia, I was sitting there thinking, okay, does it still make sense to go considering that I'm already in? And for me, 
Like there's still a lot of value in like the prestige and pedigree from it, but also like it's the cliche, the network of it. But to people who aren't like online, if you see somebody has an MBA from Columbia, it still adds like a little badge to Mm -hmm. them. But beyond that, like it gave me, we have 700 kids in my class and it gave me like a pretty good network of a lot of people around my age in their mid to late twenties. They're probably going to be really successful and do a lot of interesting stuff, but they're also very fun people to hang out with. So I could either move to New York or I know three people. Most of my friends that like friends that I know up here are people that I met through Twitter or whatever, or kind of supercharge that network through business school yeah. and then have any opportunities that come off of that. Yeah. So it still made sense, or at least that's how I rationalized it in my head because yeah. I was already in, but I've enjoyed it so far. Well, I'm sure the blog after it's going to be even more interesting. Oh, though. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to have all that time on your hands. So you can make this thing like daily. Yep. yep. My media company. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. want to, I, I just want to write a blog. I can, the whole. I actually hate the business side of writing. Like if really? I could just if I could just write stuff and money would just appear, that'd be great. And I guess you can do that if you have paid subscribers, but then like less people can read your stuff. Yeah. So it's gated, really gated content is like yeah. a big question. So uh, you're adver- you're uh, somebody that's like pro ads. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah. We had a, a producer Justin who is a former producer on the show he used to um have some qualms with gated gated uh content he's like oh come on like this is just information yeah um but yeah super excited to see where you're going like i said big fan of uh, the newsletter can't wait to keep seeing your travel blogs too that's gonna be really fun that's the fun one yeah very awesome well thank you so much thank you awesome all right everybody thanks for tuning in we made it through the week sunday 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 we will be doing another great bc sunday school and a uh, climate startup can't wait to see you on Sunday. It's going to be great. See you then. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your one day off, people. Take your one day off. Enjoy it. Rest up. Bye-bye.